2: everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Nomad Strength Show. Today, my guest is my friend Hansé Bolden. And Hansé is a very special dude that I am very thankful that I have gotten to know him well over the last handful of months. And uh, he has been a special operator in the United States military for almost 20 years now. And uh, when we're actually in this conversation, he is currently back in the Middle East uh, doing some work right now. So we had to coordinate some massive time difference time zone schedules in order to make this happen and I'm super thankful that we were able to because it's a really great conversation and uh, honestly we could have probably talked for three or four hours if I just would have let the thing go which probably means we'll do a part two and and maybe a part three at some point but uh, he is a very awesome dude and honestly that's just my my straight up honest opinion of him and this was a really fun conversation because he has so many life experiences that are very valuable lessons. And uh, we talk a lot about what his experience has been and the growth that he's gone through personally uh, in the last 20 years of being in the military and doing the things that he does in the military. Uh, We talk about some really low points that he had in his life and how he brought himself out of those and how he used that to move forward and help other men and other veterans that are going through the same thing. Uh, He's writing a book, and he's doing all sorts of things to help men and veterans. And uh, we talk a lot about the idea of finding your tribe, which is the reason that that's what this episode is titled, and the importance of men having a close-knit group of other men to, to talk to and to open up to and to be real with. And we talk about the idea that in today's culture, that doesn't necessarily mean you got to live in the same place. He actually mentions in this conversation uh, that his group of guys are dotted all over the world because of technology, they're able to stay really close. And so uh, it's a really fun conversation and he has all kinds of great stories uh, and it's just, it's, you're going to like it. So uh, before we get into the episode, please, you know, the deal go, if you haven't already like rate, review, subscribe, do all the things on the podcast, uh, whatever you're listening, whatever app you're listening to, uh, and, Go do those things that helps the show be seen, and uh, that's all I'm going to do on it today. No big long spiel. So, here is my conversation with my friend Hanse. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Nomad Strength Show. I'm Ross Hillier, host today, I'm joined by Hansei, fellow nomad, as it says in his bio on Instagram. So, <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I'm like, yep, we're going to get along. <laughs> Even just Using the same terminology. So thanks for hopping on, brother. I'm glad we were able to nail it down.
1: Yeah, Thank you, man. I really appreciate you having me on.
2: Yeah, part of the reason it was a little bit of a, a piece of work to get the schedule part nailed down is because you're literally halfway across the world right now doing all, doing all your uh, military-type things. So, um, And we were talking about before we just hopped on, you're in that period right now where you're looking at transitioning out after being in for... I don't even know how long you've been doing this kind of stuff. So I kind of want to even just start there. Like what has this whole process been like for you to get to where you are right now and being done and like a new life ahead of you?
1: Yeah. So, um, I did about, uh, 18 years in the army mm-hmm. and then, uh, got out and I started contracting, uh, 2018, January, 2018. So I've been contracting since then. Um, but I have literally spent most of my adult life in the one, one foreign country or another. And, um, you know, it's like, it's like, we were talking about prior to getting on here, man. I, I never mm-hmm. thought the day would come where I would be like, you know what? I'm done with this. Yeah. Um, but I woke up one day and then it, it just kind of slowly, slowly crept away. And then when 2020 came, and, you know, I know it was, uh, not fun for everybody. But for me, I got to spend a lot of time at home with family and friends and, um, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it, but I had a rough, yeah couple of years prior to that, you know, and um so I never thought that like happiness or contentment was really an option. Mm-hmm. And so to kinda like creep up on that, it's like, oh this is what it's like. Yeah. And this is what you can build. And then, so here we are and uh so I plan on making this one of my final journeys overseas and uh that's about it man.
2: That's awesome. So what was the uh, what was the stuff that you were noticing during the last year like, what kind of things were you, were you realizing were that other life looking ahead? Like, w- what was that process like for you when you were going through all that last year?
1: I mean, really, it was, I thought, I mean, the only word that comes to mind is amazement. Man. Like I like, mm. I think a lot of guys who spent a lot of time and actually enjoyed their time overseas, and I think it's hard for a lot of people probably to understand, is, is um, I never thought it would end. I never thought I would be like, well, one, I never thought I would be this age. Right, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, two. Um, I just always thought it would be a part of what I needed to function as a human Mm -hmm. being, right? Um, and waking up one day and realizing, like, that it wasn't that, and that you know, you can fulfill purpose in so many other fashions, Mm -hmm. um. It, and that, that was kind of it And then, you know, I, I'm a father, man I'm a father of four I have four mm-hmm. amazing, awesome kids And uh, just kind of burying yourself into those things And, uh, and that's yeah. what it was, you know And you kind of didn't have a choice last year, you know, for some of us Right you know? Yeah, you so, had
2: stuck in places that you weren't Especially for you, that where yeah. you, Like a big part of what you do is you're traveling all the time anyways So mm-hmm. to be kind of homebound for a long time was probably way different Than what you'd done the past almost two decades now
1: yeah yeah, it was uh, extremely different, and it was, uh, but it was rewarding and it was awesome, and I got to spend more time than I had with my kids since probably 2016, awesome. What and are so, the
2: age um, ranges between the four? Oh,
1: man. I have seven to 22.
2: Oh, man. They're like, yeah. that's a big gap then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, I was a teenage father, and then, okay. um, you know, got married with the whole marriage thing, and then uh, I had mm-hmm. you know, two out of that. And so, um, yeah, but I have the whole gamut. I got a complete set: two boys, two girls. And, uh, <laughs> complete set, like yeah that. <laughs> man. And uh, and I, I can't be any happier with them. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm very lucky in that aspect, man. My kids are awesome. They keep me on my toes. They're super smart and yeah. engaged. So you know,
2: that's definitely. awesome, man. When you are going through all of this in the and I'm and I'm just really curious because the whole concept and I and I've talked about this with a handful of guys that were like really high level athletes, right? And and guys like Brandon Lilly that I've talked mm-hmm. to that for so much of their life they were wrapped up in this one thing, right? That like you were talking about, like you didn't imagine there was anything even else that you could do. And it was the same with Brandon and powerlifting for the longest time. And then all of a sudden like that's gone. And you're looking at this whole future of stuff that you have no idea how to live without that being a part of your life you know, like, he's like, I'm a power lifter. And then one day I wasn't, you know, and so I've had to figure out and kind of redefine a lot of stuff of who I am in order to go through life again, like basically start over, you know? And so you've got like the apparel company and you're doing that kind of stuff. So what what are you imagining? Like this civilian life, quote unquote, is going to be, or what are you working towards when the, that day finally comes you mentioned like working to be done in three years so like when that date hits what's kind of do you have anything planned out on the docket
1: well you know it's a couple things uh, i'm still trying to work towards um it's funny you actually mentioned brandon I actually had a, a small conversation with him yesterday uh, kind of about the same thing we were just talking yeah. about like you know the quote from fight club where he's like you know we all thought we were going to be movie gods and rock stars and then you wake mm-hmm. up one day and you're not and I told him I was like, you know, one of the ideas I've I've been working towards is kind of like, I think we all wanted this, not maybe all of us, but a lot of us had this grand idea of what we were supposed to be or what we wanted to be. And mine mm-hmm. now is just like, I just want to live the most extraordinary, but yet ordinary life I possibly can, as epic as possible from my container, whatever that is, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, that's kind of what I've, I've been working towards. I have my apparel company, and then the big thing for me right now is uh, working on this book, which is kicking my butt. Nice. <laughs> um, okay. and, and that's kind of what I'm working towards. But again, like kind of building a universe, a whole universe, a whole creation of things. Yeah. There's a lot of things I've kind of been playing with as far as um, I don't want to say rebuilding men, but that's kind of mm. a thing I do on the side for fun. I don't want to say for fun either, but like it's it, something oh, right. I do. It just yeah. happens, right? Uh, people will call me, hey, man, I got a guy who's going through some things. Would you mind talking yeah. to him? And so uh, it, it just kind of happens, and, and I'm, I want to do more of that. I want to do more of uh, helping people do the same thing I did for myself and other people helping me, which is dig yeah. out. You know? yeah. And
2: that That's transition going. period, yeah, and, and like I said, with even professional athletes, but like with, with soldiers, and I know from family members that have gone through it as well, like... That transition period is, I mean, it's obviously you can say massively important, but I think it's awesome that you already have, like, had some stuff now that's going to, like, ease that transition when that day finally comes. Because, you know, I've had friends that have gone through and, like, it's one day and it's all gone. And they've had, and they're basically starting from zero. Oh, yeah you know what they mean and like they they weren't planning for anything after that day they were going to get out and it's like okay it's here I don't have anything anymore other than this this was everything I ever known
1: yeah that's it. I mean mine wasn't the exact same way but it was the exact same way right um, and then the, I think the bigger piece regardless of whether you plan for it or you don't it's the fact that like it's your identity yeah and when we start talking about that word like even guys like, like myself I never saw myself or the identity as just soldier right or just whatever but when you take that away mm-hmm. you know um it's kind of funny it's a, in, my, in my journal i always repeat the same first page in my journal whenever i get a fresh one and one of the first questions is who are you who are you and yeah. you have nothing and you're stripped away from titles and everything else and i think that's one of the things that i think so many of us struggle with especially when you're a soldier or a service member and then it's easy to get wrapped up in some of the other titles that we have, which I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but like a lot of service members, they go from service member to veteran. And that is right. all that they are in their head right. instead of so much else. And one of the ideas, one of the thoughts that I had that like really jumped out at me was, I don't want my tombstone to just say soldier. Mm. You know. Yeah. It shows so much more. And I love being a soldier. I love soldiers. One of the things I will do for the rest of my life is give my time to them whenever I can. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean it has to define everything that I have.
2: Yeah, totally. And I, and I think that, man, the the whole work of the world of working with veterans and stuff is, I mean, I'm looking at it from someone who just has relationships of people that have gone through it. Like I never personally went through it. I had a couple of cousins that did a couple of f- friends and stuff, but it just seems so underserved, you know, like, and, and, and it seems like we've got like programs and stuff that are out- outreach for veterans, but it just still seems like, well, why, why aren't we doing more? You know what I mean? Like, are you finding that at all? Like, are you looking for something specific when you're doing this kind of work?
1: Um, you know, I've, I've dabbled with some of the programs. I have a good friend who works for like Wounded Warrior Project. Yeah. And some other things. Um, and I think those are all good programs. And I think it just kind of depends on what you need and what you want. I think the bigger yeah. thing is to kind of, what are you surrounding yourself with, man? Um, you know, I watch it with my dad. And I kind of call it the veteran's curse. Like mm. we all grow up and we have these awesome friends. And unless you retire around the base, most of your friends are scattered to the far four corners. Yeah. Like, I don't live near any of my friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. so, which is also one of the reasons why I'm kind of a vagabond is because (laughs) I realized early, I was like, oh, you know, and it's not that you can't make friends with civilians or anything like that, but it's just like, you know, you have these deep bonds with these guys, and then it's like, well, you know, my best friend for the last five years is in Washington State. Yeah. The other one's in Florida. I'm in Virginia, or I'm in Hawaii, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, how do you reach out to these guys other than just Facebook and Instagram? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one of the main things is how do you build your identity and how do you keep your core group around you? I think something that we see is that men have been neglecting is hanging out with other men. Yeah, absolutely. And it was one of the things that became very, very apparent to me Um, after... So, I will we'll go ahead and get to it. So, like in 2016, 2017, I had a horrible day, man, Just crazy. Mm-hmm. And all due to my, don't to me. I, I crushed my marriage, I crushed my own everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but Rock Bottom hit. Rock Bottom was a suicide attempt and, you know, went awesomely wrong. Hey, so, I'm right. still here. Yes. Um, and with that realization and everything that happened, it was kind of like, okay, I see all of these mistakes. And it, it wasn't like right away. This is not right away by any means. Right. But over the over the course of the next year, you know, as I call it, digging out, that's what I did. I dug out and I was figuring it out and talking to people and talking to friends and figuring out where I went wrong, and yada, yada, yada. And the big one was, not the big one, but one of the big ones was like, oh, I have friends who are going through this exact same thing, but I never brought it up to them and they never brought it up to me. So, you know, had that happened, maybe we would have been like, instead of getting to that point, I would have gotten to point two. And they're like, ah, that's not a good
2: Yeah. Thing. What do you think it is that held you, and, and not only just you, but also your friends, like what do you imagine what, what it was that was holding back those conversations from happening?
1: You know, You know, you hear this a lot, that's not what men do and mm. stuff like that but I don't think that's necessarily the case I think some of us and just in general man we don't want to reach out and look foolish
0: mm-hmm.
1: you don't want to be a bother I think that might be the biggest one people feel yeah. like they're going to be a bother yeah you know? um, and, and think and maybe maybe some of it is conditioning to the fact that you don't you know whatever and don't get me wrong man I think we have more to learn from like my father's generation than we care to admit mm-hmm. you know um, you know I, know I know there's a cry for men to be more touchy-feely and I don't think that that's necessarily wrong but I also know my dad is the most content man I've ever met in my life and mm-hmm. he's also the least emotional man
0: ever, yeah.
1: in, a neg- in, in a positive way
0: right yeah
1: and so I, I think about it and I'm like you know where how do we navigate that space so you know that's just kinda of what I what how I how it ended up for me. I
2: and so that. with yeah, and so with that group, like when you're going through this time and you have those and, and you're realizing that you like, oh, I have these friends that were going through the same thing, but that process of reaching out and was it just reaching out and talking, be like, Hey, this is what I'm going through and like just doing you what you said made you uncomfortable before or you know, or was there some kind of like just what was that process like for you?
1: For initially, for me, honestly, it was just helping other people. Yeah. Right? Like, um, Mm -hmm. it had nothing to do with me talking about my stuff. Gotcha. It had everything to do with me helping other people through their stuff. Yeah. And then through that process, it became, okay, well, you know what, man? Like, sometimes I'm going to have to initiate this or... You know, and, like, we're on social media together, so I'm sure you've seen some of my posts where I talk about, like, hey, this is is what I do. This is what – these are the five – you know, my five rules for people Mm -hmm. and their resiliency. Um, And so that's kind of how it it became for me. And then I created a small group, man. I have a small group of guys that – we use the app Marco Polo. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We use Marco Polo, man, because we're all over the world, right? And so – when a dude has a problem, he he jumps on Marco Polo. That's awesome. Hey, and then you got you know five, six, seven, eight guys to hop in and be like, "This is how I would handle it. This is what I did. This is what I'm doing." You know, we got you, brother, or whatever it mm. may or may not be. You know, it, it, it's probably been one of the most beneficial things in this process that I've had, and I, I encourage everyone to build your own group, man. It's yeah. the same thing for an accountability group for training, right?
2: Exactly. It's yeah. the reason you have training partners and coaches and all that kind of stuff, or just any team that you're on. You know, it's having that the person next to you that's going through the same thing, and you build that bond through that shared experience. And that's the whole point of how you come, become better together. You yeah, know,
1: exactly. Yeah. It's it's one of the things that I, I. The other part of it too, I think, is um, is raising your standards. Mm-hmm. You
2: know,
1: and find and finding those individuals. You know. And finding the humility within yourself to have somebody telling you, like, you're wrong. Yeah. Not only are you wrong, you're dead wrong. (laughs) You know? um, Not that this is when anybody, this was anybody's fault, but like, when I was ruining my marriage, right? I was around people who it was, I don't wanna say okay, but it was never like, no one ever would call me out. Right. You know what I mean? And it's not their responsibility. But right. It's a difference when you have a friend who's like, "Take your ass
2: home." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you exactly. Know?
1: And the the versus, envir-
2: yeah. The environment yeah. that you're in is massive for that, and yeah. like you said, being able to select and there's no reason. And this is this is something that's always so interesting when I talk to guys as well is uh, they see they a lot of guys seem to think that they can't select. The environment, or like the people that are in it, to a point because they're afraid of like losing people that have been in their lives for so for so long or whatever. But then at that same time, they're they're in rock bottom places in their lives, and you know they don't like their jobs, are out of shape. There's all these things, and it's but they still they don't want to get rid of those people in their lives that are bringing them down to that level. And I think that's a huge like balance kind of thing that you have to go through to decide who's going to stay and who's not you know?
1: Yeah it's funny, um, so I told you I'm trying to write this book and it started off because I I started it off trying to write a a post, an Instagram post of all things okay (laughs) and um, what I found was I kept looking at old pictures I kept looking at old pictures and saying things like I wish I was here or I wish Mm -hmm. I was that guy back then you know, mm-hmm. I wish in 2015 I would, you know, and what I started saying was like, you know, that's the real suicide. Like I, sh- I had to kill that guy, and I have to progress to a new one and be a new me, right? Mm-hmm. And so often you hear guys like, oh, well, you know, I wish I was like in shape like I was in 2013, and I'm like, why? You can be in so much better shape now. Mm-hmm. And that's I think the mindset overall, and it's the same thing for your friends, your, your 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 cohorts, whatever you want to call them, like. doesn't mean you have to cut them out entirely right but your life has to change and in order for your life to change to change like you know as they say you're you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with exactly or or as as you know as another person told me like if you have nine broke friends you're probably the tenth (laughs)
2: that's (laughs) awesome
1: yeah exactly you know and so it's like well if that's the case then what are you willing to do? You know, one yeah. of the other things I find all the time with guys that are resistant, like you know, I've been introduced to some guys who like they're like, hey, but you need to talk to me, you will talk to you, later. or uh, you know, a lot of military guys they call me D, uh, but I' like, you know, you, need to, you guys need to talk, and um, and they won't want to talk to me for whatever reason. And then I'll talk to them. And I'll be like, who are you to turn down a lifeline that I'm throwing, you? Mm. or anyone's throwing? You. No, screw me! It's not even about yeah. me. Like. If you're drowning in the ocean right now, and I paddle by, and I throw you a rope, don't don't get mad because it's not a life vest, like, <laughs> I, I got a, I got a rope for you.
2: Yeah. Accept and the help.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, but what you'll find is you'll find guys, well, I don't meditate.
2: Yeah.
1: Or I don't lift weights, or I don't, whatever, you know? mm-hmm. um, Like a beef I, I had was, uh, you know, the guys that kind of talk trash about people who post about fitness too much? Yes. And Very like,
2: familiar with those people yeah. because
1: they
2: come after me a lot.
1: Used to, yeah. anyways. <laughs> and so, one of the things that I kind of think about is like, I've had some guys who weightlifting or jujitsu saved their life. Mm-hmm. So, I'm who are you to talk about this person's thing? Now, hopefully, yeah. they'll grow into a much wider person, right? Where it's not just weightlifting and jujitsu. Twine and but like if that's what's getting you up and out of bed man
2: like, yeah if that was the if that was the the life preserver that was tossed like I mean why why would you try to you know throw the whole rope back into the water and leave that person yeah. there you know what I mean like that was what saved them I mean there's and, and I saw when you posted that uh, that post maybe a week or so ago was, I can't remember if it was a regular post or a story that was like you're basically the worst type of person if you're gonna be the one who, who brings down somebody who's excited about progress. Right. Like that is, and it's such a, I've got, I'm with you, like, I'm going to get kind of fired up, but like I could get so, I just get so ticked off when people try to bring people down that are having success. It's not like their preferred method of it. Do you you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Like the biggest thing for me right now, um, I had a conversation with a friend recently and I was like, all I truly it's it's the only thing I care about one of the things that's most important to me right now is to surround myself with people who are helping stoke the fire yes and for me it's if you're if you're jazzed up about running more power to me man Mm -hmm. I love seeing it if you're jazzed up about starting a business let's hear it Mm -hmm. right because I I, I'm I'm not gonna lie to you man for me I call it you know it's like a positive vampire I'm out here (laughs) to steal a little bit of that energy (laughs) every time you you let a little out. I'm, I'm taking it and I'm like, all right, how can I harness this and how can I use it and how can I, you know, build my fire a little bit better? Because whether I'm building my fire or yours, I think the goal at the end of the day is to kind of help people and build their, build your community, build your thing.
2: Exactly. You
1: know?
2: Yeah. And, and it, so, <laughs> and it goes back to just that the whole small group tribe mentality right like yeah. it's it's much easier to have a circle of people around you that you're really invested in and they're invested in you and your success and your progress and uh, can help you out and instead of trying to worry about the whole uh, world at once you know what i mean yeah Sorry, dog was barking he's making yeah, a bunch yeah. of noise <laughs> you so yeah, I wanna, uh, oh go, go ahead.
0: ahead
2: i was gonna say i want to dive into this book that okay. I, I want to get some info on this book. I mean, you mentioned that it started from this post that you wrote, but what what came next? What? How did that spawn into whatever it is right now? And what's the um, the, the roadmap for it?
1: You know, I, I don't remember who said it. Um, it might have been Ben Bergeron or somebody, but someone was talking about like if you see something more than three times, you have to do it. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. And so I, I I've had this we'll call it article that I've been writing and it just keeps getting longer and longer and longer and longer mm-hmm. and it keeps you know the, the topic keeps growing mm-hmm. um, and that's all it was you know for a long time and then last year you know if, if you ever hang out with me enough I'll tell enough stories mm-hmm. and so people would be like you should write a book and it kept happening and so that mm-hmm. and that rule of like someone ha- and, and it happened like one time in like a two-day period where I think like 12 people said something like, hey man, you should write a book. And I was like, this doesn't sound right. Mm -hmm. And so I talked to some friends and uh, one of my buddies is just, uh, he's just like, look man, if it's on your heart, it's on your heart. Yeah. Do it. And um, between that and the fact that I... Secretly, have always wanted to be a writer. And, you know, since I picked up Hatchet as a kid. Oh, such a good book! Dude. <laughs> right? Such a good book. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. uh, I think Hatchet and like uh, Gary, what uh, was White Fang, and all those books. Yeah. You know, as a kid, um, I uh, I haven't wanted. You know, I've always kind of secretly wanted to be a writer, man. Like that. You know, some of my favorite authors, I read their stuff, and I'm like, man. And then the final nail in the coffin was um, A Red Green Light" by Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. And I was so shocked because I was like, I don't want to read this, this celebrity book. Whatever. Yeah. And I was shocked to hear that you could write in a way that actually captures your voice and not this standard thing. Right. And once that happened, I was like, okay, we wow. got a mission. And so, you know, I'm, I'm on it, but it is, uh, the undertaking is hard, I will tell you that. It's harder than I thought it was going to be.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, for a variety of reasons. <laughs> but, <laughs> I bet. You know. I, can't even, I can't
2: even imagine, like, the, the, the daunting task of... I mean, because I write posts and stuff mm-hmm. like, for instance, and, you know, short articles and blogs and yeah. all that kind of stuff. But Which, you know, thank that's a you, single, it, way. yeah, yeah. It's a it's a single thought that like I can condense and put in a thousand words, right? Yeah. And I'm like really focused on how can I be as clear and concise in a thousand words or less as I can mm-hmm. be. And so like even just the mental, I'm I'm sure you're probably in, like in that same boat off and on. But like seeing something, like you know, I've got that many pages of a book, right? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm holding up one I just got from Stephen Prescott, oh, yeah, yeah. the new, The newest one, Man at Arms. And I'm just like, that just seems, that's like more than any article, that's like more articles than I've ever written so far put together. And it's just sitting down to do that for one thing. It just, I can understand how that seems daunting. And actually, to bring him into it, I don't know if you've read War of Art. Yeah, War of Art, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that whole idea yeah. of the resistance, right? Yeah. And, and that's
1: you- that's been a big... A big yeah. piece right there, man. Yeah, is between resistance, uh, schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, I was one of those guys who thought like you had to write, as they say, like as the news hits you. You know. Uh, yeah. And uh, sometimes the news hits you when you're working. You know? Yeah. That's not an opportune time. Right. And so, <laughs> and so getting over some of that, talking to some guys who write, and then and then one of the bigger pieces right now has been. Um, wanting to accurately tell stories the the correct way and so actually kind of doing a deep dive into how to do that like how to actually tell a story make sure you hit the arc make sure you're accurate (laughs) in uh, everything else you know because it's one thing to tell a story around a campfire
0: right
1: right? but it's another to send out this book and somebody's going to read it and they've never talked to me they've never heard my voice and now I have to convey to them this feeling I have I want I want it to be authentic in the way that I would communicate it, but yet it's
2: right. still entertaining. So, so, is the is the book more of an account of like your time spent in the military, or is it on the self help kind of side, or is it a little bit of both? Or what's kind of so, the, the method of it?
1: I would tell you it's more just um, an account of some tales, <laughs> tall tales. Yeah um I don't I don't spend a lot of time talking about military things just because um not that I'm not proud of my I love my time in the army but yeah. and I've been fortunate enough to be part of some really really cool and awesome things well like if you want to read about firefights there's guys out there for that yeah right like yep. I've been a part of some stuff and it's like cool awesome but like there's a guy out here who's got you know umpteen million bronze stars and you
2: yeah.
1: know whatever. Go, he, you should read his book for that if you right. you know um but if you want to kind of hear some stories about how you can get twisted up and turned around while still being successful and then dig out and also, well, you know, how crazy it is to just be a young man and yeah. kind of find, find yourself. Um, that's, that's what I'm writing about. You know? that's awesome. I wouldn't call it self-help help by, by any means, but it'll right. probably have some, some lessons and some rules in there to, hopefully help the next man. which is kind of my deal, man. Like, uh, yeah. Not that I didn't have the help, because I have an awesome father and I have an awesome support team, but uh, sometimes you're hard-headed and sometimes you're quiet, and you shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes a, a book is more accessible than to actually make that daunting phone call to your dad and say, what would you do?
2: Interesting, yes. Mm-hmm. That's a good you point. Know? Yeah. How far along are you in the process? I mean, it's, it's tough to say, like, when are you yeah. going to be done? So I didn't want to say, like, when's it going to be done. But like how I mean, how much story do you have to tell? And wh- and how much do you imagine you're going to include in this thing?
1: My goal, because of the kind of scenario and situation I'm in right now, is yeah. to be done draft work and everything by the end of the year. Um, um, so I just started talking to people about hiring a writing coach in okay. fashion today. Nice. Um, so that's kind of the next step is, uh, you know, I've got all the chapters laid out. I've got very rough drafts for a lot of them, but not all of it. And I'm sure more of it will happen, which is yeah. also part of the reason why I want a writing coach or, or, or a partner is because I want somebody to come along and tease stuff out of it that I maybe, yeah. you know, miss. Because, you know, sometimes when you're telling a story, some things are inherent to you. Right. You know, like the fact that you walk by the table and there was a, a, a knife on the desk and the knife is important in the story, but you, mm-hmm. you leave it out in the first part, like you know, you might wanna touch yep. on that, you know. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now. So hopefully at the end of the year I will be all done as far as drafting and everything else and then start looking for uh, you know, somewhere to put it out.
2: That's awesome. I was it was funny when you mentioned the like writing when the muse hits right I thought about and, and to come back to Stephen Pressfield, yeah I don't know if you heard his interview that he did with Tim Ferris a few weeks ago mm-hmm. I can't I can and I feel bad that I can't remember the author that he quoted when he said the example but he's he said there was this author I can't remember his name was asked that same question like do you just write? at a certain time every day, or do you write when, you know, your inspiration strikes? And he's like, I only write when my inspiration strikes. It just happens to strike at 9.30 a.m. every single morning. Yeah, I remember that part, yeah. <laughs> it's like, mm. and, so, and you that's know, kind the, of the, the thing. structure part, I can see being important, uh, and I can tell from myself, like when I'm sitting down to write articles and, and stuff, I, I'm the type of person, and I know it, it's, it's just a personality thing, you know? Mm. Uh, I have to make sure that I give myself at least an hour like every morning or you know block out an hour of the day it's like if this only ends up being like a three paragraph instagram post whatever like i'm gonna go through probably 30 of them in an hour before i find the one that i'm gonna write and and do or an article or whatever but i think having that those kind of stricter boundaries and that the just helps instill the discipline of doing it and it's just like with anything if you're gonna get good at it you got to do it a lot and you The gotta, reps matter exactly. And it's just reps, and you, and if you just wait for it's and it's to to bring in like a training analogy. There's that line that's like if you wait to train on a day you feel good, you'll train one day a oh, week. Yeah. You know, you can't you can't just wait for the best case scenario to do anything. Otherwise, you'll never end up doing anything.
1: Yeah, and and you, you got to get over you know, and we all have to get over the, the idea of being a fool at first. You know, uh, I think this Jordan Peterson has a thing you know the fool precedes the master, man. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm okay with that, but, you know, it took me a, a second to understand that, like, hey, you know, in my little, in my little um, task list for the morning, you know, that 500 words, it, it's got to get done. It has to get done. I try and do 500 words in the morning. Even if it's 500 words, I how I can't write, today I have nothing to write about because I am thinking about all of my problems. You know, just the process of
2: putting sentences together and stringing them together just gets that part of your brain turning and working. Exactly,
1: it's,
2: and it's just like anything. You just go into the gym, you start doing something. Everyone, I mean, pretty soon you're going to be sweating. You know, yeah. And you, you're going to be glad that you went in that day. So that's kind of the whole point of it. Yeah,
1: it's it. it's it's been a thing, man. But uh, you know, I'll, I'll keep plugging along, and um, I'll have something to show for it. Hopefully, sometimes then.
2: Um, Cool. So I want to get into a little bit more of the training side of things, because uh, obviously having to do the work that you've done for close to 20 years now requires a very specific level of strength and fitness. Um, So I want to talk about just a little bit of your transition, I guess, because everybody's health and strength like journey and the things that they start doing throughout certain times is always super interesting to me. So. I imagine, like, when you started, it was all, like, all of us when we started. It was just, like, bodybuilding to look good and all that kind of stuff, right? So, how like, and I guess I'm curious to know, like, what do you imagine is important for what it is that you do? Like, what kind of things, fitness-wise, or, like, that you could give as advice for, you know, guys that are looking to get into this world? What would you tell them to start working on?
1: So, it's funny you said that. I actually just did a a pretty, I I need to make it a post. It was a story. I did a a thing for it for Matt because, uh somebody tagged me and it, or Matt tagged me and was like, hey, some guys just asked me about like, what to do for the military slash personal operations. Gotcha. And, um, and so I'll touch that. But for me personally, like, yeah. <laughs> I was uh, 167 pounds at six feet tall. I was a string yeah. Um I got in trouble as a junior soldier. And this uh, staff sergeant, this guy who's in charge of me, pulls me aside and says, hey, you need to find a hobby or else you're going to find yourself back home quick And uh, I was, I was drinking underage. Gotcha. underage. And uh, I was like, I'm 19 years old. Like what kind of hobby are you talking about like model airplanes or something? Like, <laughs> hey, what do you expect from me? man? And he was like, what about working out? And I was like, well, yeah, I guess I could do that. You know, I used to work out, but it was only because coach told me to. You know? Right coach said, pick this up three times. So I picked it. It wasn't because I had a love for iron or something yeah. like that. It was just, you know, um, so I started working out. And then <laughs> funny enough, like so I I'm working out, I work out for about three or four months. And I'm like, this isn't working. I'm not changing. I don't look any bigger. I don't look any stronger. <clears throat> and I go home and uh, run into a girl and she's like, oh my God, you've got muscles. And I'm like, who in the world is she talking about? She's talking to me. She's like, yeah. And I'm like, I got muscles? And I remember getting on the plane two days prior. I was getting on the plane. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. It's not working. As soon as she told me that. That was the trigger. (laughs) Yep, I found the next gym. And I kept working out, kept lifting weights. And then, you know, as it happens, it just changes. Mm -hmm. Um, I was introduced to a guy, um, one of my mentors in the military, uh, Eric Schmitz, um, he introduced me to this guy who was a part of um, the Special Operations Aviation Regiment, and he had a book, he had two books, and he gave he gave me, he gave me uh, Black Hawk Down, I think Bravo 2-0. and then I got a hold of Tom Clancy's Special Forces, and I was done. I yeah. was like, all right, this is it. This is what I want to do. I don't know why. And it just so happened, as I'm finishing, literally the day that I finished, Tom Fancy special forces, the towers for out. Uh, wow. And so I remember going and begging to get stationed at Fort Bragg. Because I was in a, I was in a uh, MOS at the time that didn't get stationed at Fort Bragg. So, you were, so you were
2: already enlisted in in on... Yeah, I was the already in. Okay. Yeah.
1: And so I remember begging. And so I finally got assigned... Uh, I got to go airborne school and everything else. And uh, my idea was that I thought if I was close to the source, I wouldn't forget. Yeah. You know, because it's easy to forget, man. Like, right? Yeah. Girls, blues, life, everything else. So I was like, if I'm close to the source, I wouldn't forget. Uh, so, but back to training, you know, I kind of went through that whole phase of like bodybuilding and just trying to get look good. And then it switched from that to like, okay, there's a task at hand. But you still don't know how to train for the guys. Right. You know, um, thank God for guys like Mark Twight, Like, um, yeah. to this day, he probably doesn't remember me, but he answered every email I ever sent him. That's awesome. You know, he told me about, I was like, hey, I'm in a situation where I can't do cardio because there's nowhere to go. And he was like, let's do these things called breathing ladders. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so stuff like that is how I got yep. introduced to actual, like, strength conditioning. And then <clears throat> Kind of changed My perspective Of course uh, Martin Rooney Martin Rooney Had the article That actually changed The way I think about training He had an article Called Train Like a Man Oh nice And it was I remember being in the gym And watching everyone train You know, you know you're in a gym For two, three years Or whatever And I was like We all look the same mm-hmm. And we're all The same strength No one's getting stronger No one's doing anything else And I was like Why is that? And then I read that <clears throat> I read that article and then Jim Wendler had another article about everybody will buy shoes supplements but not a program yep I remember and that that's one. what changed everything for me yeah
0: Because
1: I was like well i got to go get a program and then I started learning teaching myself about strength conditioning and linear periodization everything else um and that's when I finally started seeing real legitimate results and then I found uh complete human performance, Uh, Alex Viata and those guys. that was my first real coach for years. And then uh, went back to coaching myself and then uh, found Max Ada when I got into powerlifting. Yeah. And then it's been with uh, Andy pretty much since then. Awesome. Uh, But in reference to what you're saying, I want to say a side tangent, but in reference to what you're saying, like so, this is how I kind of categorize it when you're talking about strength conditioning for uh, the job, special operations job. Not my job now. My job now, you don't have to do any of that. But, um, <laughs> right, it's it's a lot of volume. Um, and it's, it's volume with strength. And what I mean by that is the ability to move over distance with load um, day in and day out, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I say this under the pretense of that's what you might have to do. Not that's that's what you're gonna do.
2: Guaranteed to happen. It's yeah. yes.
1: This could happen. It might. <laughs> this could happen. It might not. Um, but you're definitely gonna need this to get through. Right. At least. Yep. Um, strength. You know. Manipulate yourself and manipulate a partner, a buddy, and a buddy with love. You know, your kid. A kid can weigh. You know, who knows what your kid is? Anywhere from thirty to like eighty-eight pounds. My kid was eighty-eight pounds. At one point. Jeez. Um um so you know I think those are the two of the bigger ones and then you're talking about other things like mobility like you, should, you have to have the mobility to move kneel jump kind of be in awkward positions like you know we've all seen I think due to Instagram now we've all seen the little shooting obstacles mm-hmm. you know so be able to kneel and crane around things that's yeah. important but you're doing that with load and you don't want to strain something or hurt something um, you know also like there's the uh the idea of never wanting to come up outmatched strength wise i don't mean with a barbell I and mean, that's fun too but like
0: right
1: you know we we've had guys uh that you know they, they've had to get an altercation before whether it's in at at home or downrange, and i think that's just important for a dude anyways right like uh, you want to be as highly matched as possible yeah. in that realm right um I love jujitsu. I've been jujitsu since two thousand and four or
2: five.
1: Right on. Um, I just
2: started like three weeks ago.
1: Yeah, awesome. Brand, I remember when you yeah into it, dude. <laughs> You messaged me and you said, um, "Now I understand." Yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah. I get it, I get it now. <laughs> yeah. And so I remember, uh, or I remember, it's a thing to be said. Like, yes, Jiu-Jitsu is made for little guys, and some guys who understand technique. But if you're strong, you're strong. Yep. You want to make sure your technique is crisp and flawless as possible, but it's something to be said. You know, like I rolled with, um, uh, this is not a knock against like women's MMA or anything like that, but I rolled with Tara LaRosa when I was a white belt. Okay. Tara LaRosa was like super famous back in the day. She fought yeah. on Bow and she's an awesome grappler. And uh, I don't know, Jack at the time, and she's tapping me left and right. <laughs> there would become a couple of times where just due to pure strength, yeah, she couldn't tap me. right and I was and so I just carried that forward with like there's always going to be that moment where like you know not always but hopefully you know you're yeah. you're strong enough to either prevent it or to make it happen whatever it is you have happened um I, I would say those are like the big ones man um mm-hmm. as far as like actual standards I mean there are standards man like pretty much no matter where you're right. going the military you gotta be able to ha- handle five a five mile run in under 40 minutes yeah. um you're talking 10 pull-ups, 12 pull-ups, you know. I think if you want to exceed and make sure you never have to worry, 15 pull-ups is the standard, right? Um,
2: yeah. That's a super, that's that was, a super that's interesting it. wing of all that, like, the military standards of all this stuff, because uh, mm-hmm. in the last couple of years, they've changed some of those. Uh, oh, yeah. They're ha- and, and, still changing. And st- yeah, and still changing. So, uh, are you on board with where they're changing to now of, like, the things that have been... Because I think they did, like, trap bar deadlift was... Was that yeah, that's one of the new ones. One of the, one new, of the ones new ones. ones. And, uh,
1: I, I, I think it's a stuff? good, I think it's a good direction. Yeah. My problem with it is, we're training for a test and not for actual fitness.
0: Ah. Yeah.
1: Right. So one of the things that happened is the, the army specifically. Uh, I'm not going to speak too much to the other services, but the army specifically has a really ridiculous injury rate. Right, and the, and a lot of this is just because of the kind of recruits that we're hitting now. You get overweight recruits who are not physically active prior yeah. to joining the service. And then, you know, in the case of being airborne, right, you're throwing them out on a plane and you're falling 23 feet per second with gear. With, with gear. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think happens, especially if you don't know how to strain?
0: Right.
1: Right? Like, there's something to be said about a guy who knows how to strain, whether he's actually that strong or not, Yeah. you know, whether you're catching a friend off on the caving ladder or you're coming out of a plane at 25 feet per second, you know, that, that means something. And, uh, you know, so we had this explosion of injuries and I don't know what to do. And so they tried to revamp it before, um, I'm going to get some of it wrong. Cause I wasn't a part of that whole thing, but mm-hmm. like just reading about it and everything else. But I, I think, you know, strength training in the military should be something that has to happen.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. You'll see a lot of complaints about like, well, people are going to get hurt. Like they're already there. Right. And, and the part of the problem is, like, like, again, we're training for a test and not for general overall fitness for whatever my job or thing is. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I used to have this thing where I would have guys take PT tests. You know, we had this guy who laid down in the middle of the track once during PT tests, just lay down. <laughs> and everybody was like, oh my God, he had a heart attack and all this other stuff. And, I, and they were like, how come you're not running? And I was like, there's no way this kid is hurt running a 22 minute mile. I was like there's just some things that just aren't physically like if he's hurt it has nothing to do with this run
2: it was long before this happened it did exactly exactly.
1: I was like this is not you know and not that I am some strength conditioning specialist but like just kind of after you 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 actually dive into strength conditioning you realize how bad it is in the military yeah and how you know like it's funny we were just talking around here today you know not today, but a couple days ago with some of the guys and they were, they were talking about running. And I was like, it's funny, right? Every race is, or every run is a race. You're never trained, you mm-hmm. never have, you know, 130 to 150 beats a minute right. aerobic work
0: right.
1: you know, or whatever. And so when are you supposed to get better? Especially if you're, if you're not good. If there's some guys who're just good, doing this or whatever, or they adapt well, but that guy who's just never really ran, doesn't like to, yeah. mental fortitude is trash in the first place. <laughs> you got to build him up somehow.
2: Yeah, and it's that's such a man. I'm I'm looking at it as a coach, right? Mm-hmm. And and also just from the civilian standpoint, like why aren't the military treated like professional athletes in that regard. You know what I mean? Like in terms of the facilities and the resources and that kind of stuff. So because, like, I mean, in, in my, in my mind, I'm thinking that should be just common sense, right? Like they're, yeah. the work that they're doing, they need to be like Olympic level, at least yeah. taken care of whether or not they're elite athletes or not, but that those level of being taken care of should be, you would think, you would think priority, Yeah.
1: Right. I mean, I, I won't go too far on it because, like I said, I'm not, I'm not, a, I don't play that game anymore. But what I will say is, they, they do have, um, well, as far as for the Army Special Operations, they have the Thor Three program, which okay. is called Thor, I think it is. I, I did it for a little while when I was uh when I was there, but uh, I did a little bit of it, I should say. Yeah. Um, the Thor program. Um, which are like certified strength you know, CSCS. Nice. Most of them are CSCS. Um, I don't think that's the actual requirement, but you know that yeah. there are those. Some guys who coach in college as a strength conditioning coach and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's awesome. But the problem, in my eyes, there's a couple of problems. But one of the problems too is like you're also balancing like guys that have their own personal agenda.
0: Right.
1: You know and I mean, me personally right like for the last couple of years of my career I power not powerlifting so I wanted to make sure that I could powerlift but also you know I gotta pass this two mile run, this five mile run, right. I gotta do this I gotta do that and so um, not that it's impossible but you just gotta kind of figure that out and then having people actually abide by it and then there's a time you know your average unit is pretty large and so I'm having three strength conditioning coaches yeah a designated time on the morning, right? Only, right? <laughs> and it's like, well, how, how do we actually, you know, package that baby? And then, and this is where I think service members deserve a, a lot of credit that a lot of people don't understand. And they will touch on something else here, too. It's like your average non commissioned officer in the military is part strength coach, part psychologist, part babysitter, mm-hmm. part divorce specialist, and you name it. Yeah. If there is a problem, or there is something that he has to handle for his or her team, that's what they do. Yep. And so to be educated on all of these things, and you know, to get out a, a, a quality crew is hard. And so I don't want to do them any disservice
0: yeah. in
1: saying that because it's something that we actually have to think about. You know, um, over the course of the last twenty years, it's, the requirements have become more, not less. And so, you know, I, I kind of feel for them. But at the same time, I will tell you, you know, the same thing I tell my kids. Like, Google's your friend.
2: Yeah, totally. So it's it's more of a, um, I, and I guess that makes sense when you think about how many, right, especially in however many locations all over the world all the service members are, right? It's and yeah. to put like a blanket and you don't do that anyways, as even as a coach, like you don't do blanket programs for everybody, but it seems like actually, yeah. now you say that that makes sense that it's more of a, a little bit bigger than individual, but like unit or small team based yeah. kind of approach. And that's what it. it is. Yeah. Which that so makes, that makes like, more sense.
1: Yeah. So typically you'll have, you know, depending on the kind of, you know, whether it's a conventional army, unit or special operations, unit, you know, you're talking about from top down, you know, we'll, we'll just throw a number of a thousand people. You know? Yeah. And now you have 1,000 people that are all going to do PT from 6.30 to 7.30. Right. You know, and one, how do I build a gym that can handle that?
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Two, how do I build programs that can handle that? So what we do is we give it to the lowest level individual who's in charge of that you know, section, mm-hmm. that unit. And they, they handle it. And uh, you know, for the last thirty years or so, it's all been, for the most part, body weight and yep. running, push ups, dips.
2: Because that's line, what you can do with a thousand people. Like that's about it.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. And it's also with the standard parts. Because, yep. Again, like a lot of times army trains for the test. Yep. And, uh, yeah, you'll throw some rocks in and everything else. But then again, like I said, like you know, the training knowledge of like having somebody understands like. You know, I can decrease this guy's run with three days a week and two of them don't have to be that fast. Yeah. Exactly. And so, but instead it's like, nope, it's Monday morning, I'm about to crush you guys. <laughs> I don't care what your Sunday was. I don't care what your Saturday was. And, and, and then you know, there's there's a place for it, you know? Yeah. I think that, um, and not to, not to hat tip too much to like Mark Twight and those guys, but FYF, matters too. Yeah, I man you know what I mean like sometimes you do need to get your you need to get smacked up and understand oh I I can be tough
2: yep exactly and uh for those that don't know Mark Twight uh started Jim Jones and was the dude that became famous because he trained all the dudes for 300 Gerard Butler and all those guys that was kind of the original like thing that made him big but yeah I've I've been following their stuff him and then when Maximus was there for a long time like all those yeah. guys I've loved following the Jim Jones stuff yeah
1: so he's actually talking to talk about writing He's actually one of my favorite writers right? he's good man yeah man he's such like a punk rock I don't care what you think style yep. and I've always loved it um but you know and he's also a really big run military community you know, yeah specifically uh, and he works for some of our other tier 1 units and, mm-hmm. you know I mean he's, he's got the chops to, to back it up to do it we, um You know, just I I think that's those are models that are out there. There's so many things that are out there, and too many people are just interested in like. You know, and I don't want to get on that. I don't know what we will. (laughs) The whole like, instant gratification. Yeah. You know, you get a lot of guys and that's what they want, and they don't realize like, you know, you want to get strong. you know, the guy, the guy asked me like, "How are you forty stronger than I am?" And I was like, "Well, I, I haven't missed more than like thirty days of training."
2: Yeah, longer yeah. than you've been alive. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Like, you know, even when I'm hurt, like, I figured out, okay, you know, I could have been, I probably could have been stronger, but like, I also understood too that like, there was a line for like, you know, like I, I see some of these guys on uh, Instagram and how strong they are. And I'm like, man, that's impressive, but then I also wonder like, where their RPM is. Right you
2: know yeah they're about to blow and up like, are, are they about to blow up or <laughs> they got anything? they got they got a little like, bit left or what
1: yeah how long does this last just, you yeah. know like you watch Dan Green lift, man and Dan Green is still killing it but I think he's got a good idea where his RPM is where exactly. some of these guys I wonder I wonder if they know like they're just like you know going, going all out now
2: yeah you trying know? to keep up and then yeah the engine explodes you know? basically
1: which is fine too man I mean I think you get what you pay for right yeah And I'm a big fan of the fact that, like, that receipt means something. Mm You know, I just hope my receipt, I can extend it. Like, I'm not trying to go to my grave with uh, this pristine body or anything Mm -hmm. else. I'm trying to slide in there, hair on fire, like, (laughs) you know, duct tape together because I I lived a life. Yeah, man. At the same time, you know, for, for those inching towards that profession, you're going to... You're going to see enough of
2: it anyways. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I wanted to ask uh, as it relates to more so the last handful, maybe decade of time, military specifically, because I'm always curious with media and movies and, and video games and like all this kind of stuff and how army and like you know that everybody wants to be a seal now right like because of all the movies and all this mm-hmm. and all the shows and all this kind of stuff how do you how, what have you noticed in like your two decades in on how that's has that actually been a good thing uh or the guys that are coming in because of those things like maybe shouldn't have been they just want the movie the movie oh, style stuff. you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> like where, where's um, your head with that
1: Uh, I'll say a couple of things, right? Um, We need more red-blooded American men and women to sign on the line. So I don't want to knock any of them for that reason. Um, But what I will say is the changes I've noticed have been and specifically just for my career, I can't speak for anyone else's yep. career or anything else, but um but the guys that I looked up to when I first joined were truly um what's the word they were intelligent warriors mm. right? These were guys who this is why I picked up my book habit. Yeah. Right? Um I picked up my book habit because You know, you walk into a room and guys are talking about things that you don't understand.
0: Yeah.
1: Or there's a, you know, your problem set is bigger than what you technically were in the military. And curiosity is your friend. Um, To what, and I won't say everyone, but what you see now, a lot of those guys who want to just, they want all the cool parts, Right. But not the other parts. And I will say that's for everything—not just special operations, not just whatever military power. I mean, everyone, everyone wants to pull parts. In
2: fitness, too. I mean, the Instagram yeah. has been yeah. the, the worst for that, for that very reason, yeah. because all everybody sees is the dude that does the eight hundred pound deadlift. You know. Exactly. And so, I—I I, I I, imagine it's pretty similar.
1: I, I think it's—I think that's been a big piece of it. You know. Um, you know, you see the sexy parts, and the sexy parts are sexy, mm-hmm. and then the other parts you know um you know worse more than some guys get and that's ex- my somebody's thought.
2: like at the same time yeah. i'm watching all this stuff and you can watch the movies and stuff and get motivated right but at the same time like you have to be ready for what that is like that's i, I think
1: everybody's makeup is different you know yeah. some guys are are born for it and 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 that's good. And there's other guys who do it and then they realize that there's a thing. Like there's a thing I think that we don't talk about or we don't acknowledge enough. And that's the fact that like um, and I'm just gonna speak to men, like men only. Men wanna know if they have the thing. Mm. Most. Yeah. Whether it's a scrap or a firefight. Right? Most of us at some point in time wanna know if we have the thing. Mm -hmm. Now, some of us let it go, some of us find it through football. Boxing or whatever else you might be, but you want to know if you have the thing. Um, and I think that matters, and I think that's one of the things that you see in the military. These guys get in, they get to the thing, and they're like, oh, I like this. Mm-hmm. That was me. Never in a million years. My mom thought I didn't want to be a soldier. She's like, You're not gonna to want to get dirty. <laughs> I got in the military and I was like, this is awesome. I'm yeah. playing commander.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm crawling through the woods. This is the best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but then there's also guys, you know, it happens, and they're, they're like, whoa, this is not for me. I don't want to be of this. And I think that's also a thing. It's admirable to mm-hmm. to, 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 to do whatever. But, you know, I, I think that we don't acknowledge that enough. Um, but, you know, as far as service is concerned, I think that that's kind of what I've seen. But, I mean, I'll also tell you, too, man, like, it's hard to to sell an 18-year-old right now on something that's been going on for 20 years. Longer than they've been alive. Yeah. yeah. I My my first trip to Afghanistan was in January of Okay. And I am running up on 40. Man. So, you know, if, if you, you put that in perspective, let's put it, I'll put it even more in perspective, right? My boy, my oldest boy has been kicking around the idea of joining going into these operation stuff. there is a chance that I could contract while he's active it. that's insane man you know what I mean
2: what's, the, what's that and conversation so, like with him are you, are you of the mindset to like not push him into it but like how's that relationship with when he says he wants to be a part of it
1: my thing for all my kids man is um I have two things. I think one of them might be kind of odd for most parents. Is um, I want most of my kids to, or all my kids, I would rather they take a year or two to find something else to do. Yeah. You have no debt. You have no nothing. You have a dad who's willing to pay for almost everything you have.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Or even if I didn't or couldn't, like go find a nonprofit and go dig ditches in some foreign country, party in a foreign country, see the rest of the world. Don't go acquire debt. Don't go do all this other stuff, and then figure it out. So that's what I told them. I, I'd rather you do that, and then if you decide that after you've done that that you want to be a SEAL or whatever, mm-hmm. just do it the right way and be as good as you can do. Yep. Whatever that is. Um, I'm not one of these parents who's like, I'm not ever going to let my kids. Uh, no, I. I learned a long time ago watching. <laughs> Funny story, man. Like I watched this uh, this girl I uh, grew up with, and her dad. Her dad was like, "You can't date black guys." And what do you think she did for the rest of her high school career? <laughs> yeah. I bet. And I remember being in high school watching and going, yeah. "Oh,
2: they'll
1: do this." And I've never, yeah. And I, I, it's never left me. Yeah. And I always try to think about it like when my daughter or my son say something it's you. you you're going to live this life. My goal is to prepare you for the road. Mm-hmm. You know, and I want you to do that as best we can representing your family as best we can representing yourself as best you can.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, if that's as a nurse, if that's as a uh, Special Forces soldier, or whatever. I'm here to just provide counsel, guidance, love, and support. And yeah, make sure you're not a trash human being.
2: <laughs> right, because that I mean that goes back into the very first thing of this whole conversation that we had is like have something other than the thing that you're doing. So when that thing's over, like you're still yeah. a good person, you know, and you can still yeah. like go do other things in life and and have more built up other than just this one, you know, occupation maybe or whatever that you've yeah. dedicated so much I mean, to. Don't get me
1: wrong, man. I I love people who are obsessed and are great at one thing. Yeah. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Um, I don't really have a moderation button myself. But I, I also see the value in uh, in just being a, a whole human. Yeah. A whole person. Right? Like whether it's your relationships, whether it's you know just living like it's something to the fact that if your identity is rooted in a thing that can take them from you
2: yeah,
1: you're not as strong as you could be
2: yeah exactly and then if yeah. you look at the just the, the the personality type that gets like that obsessive you know what I'm saying wants to like, you know, you said you don't really have a moderation, button. I don't for certain things either. But if you're going to be any kind of whatever it is and you're looking at being the best in the world at something, there is no balance. Like there, there's no oh, yeah. there's no there's no way that you can be the best and and give like an equal amount of time to something other than that thing. And that was one of the things yeah. I uh, when I talked to Brandon for the show a couple weeks back. Uh, he said it was the same thing about powerlifting. He was like, when I was at the top of my game powerlifting, I was like top 10 in the world, uh, at all time, and all this kind of stuff, but everything else in my life was falling apart. Like, uh, yeah. like you know, and, and but like how many professional athletes, like best in the world, look at and they just have nothing else going on? Like, you know, ma- marriages tanked and uh, like don't talk to their kids or like they're broke because they spend yeah. all their money. You know, I mean, like there's that's a pretty normal yeah exactly and so you you have to look at the situation and the thing that you're doing and and make a decision pretty early on like what am I going to give to this like am I going to go into this trying to be the best ever or be like the top 1% of the 1% because if I do then I'm going to have to get rid and sacrifice a lot of things for a a good period of time
1: you know it's funny I think it was Stan Efforting who said something and it just dawned on me Um, but I want to expand his analogy a little bit he talked about the difference between being a participant and a competitor and how like if you're a participant it's safe Mm -hmm. it's okay but once you cross that line into competitor things are dangerous it's probably not healthy anymore Mm -hmm. and everything else and I think that's the same for what we're talking about right now
0: Mm
1: right like if you want to participate in stuff it's okay but once you start checking that competitor best in the world best in what best in my area block like things start changing Mm -hmm. and you have got to be you don't have to be but i think one of the things i'm trying to do now is explain to people here's how you can be more aware of it or like you said like i i one of the things i'm trying to be really conscious of now is i understand there's no balance yeah so i'm trying to be as present as possible when i am somewhere and part of that is also saying no to more that I don't want to be a part of yeah you know because if I'm somewhere I don't want to be a part of I'm checking my phone I'm doing the thing I'm whatever instead of engaged looking you in the eye saying hey we're talking and having this conversation or whatever it might be mm-hmm. you know and so uh, I think that's it's super important and what we're uh, kind of hitting that here it's just like be here now. Be yeah. I, I now. not I can't say that I'm going to get 10 more tomorrows, right. 10 more Sundays. Right? Yep. And leading up to this, I may have only given you one of those Sundays. But if I gave it to you and I was here and I was just, I squeezed it for everything it's worth, it's got to mean something.
2: Yeah. That, the saying no conversation is like it's one that when I actually started because I've been doing my own thing business wise for about almost six years now since I left like the corporate gym world right and like been coaching Mm -hmm. people on my own thing and for a couple of years I didn't look at it as like a business right it was just uh like I was coaching as a hobby I made some money on it I was just me and my wife at the time like I was I was good you know and then I had to make the switch Like, okay, this is, if this is what I'm going to keep doing, like, and and this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, like coaching people and working on this thing. Then I have to turn this, this whole operation into a business. And then that mindset shift, all of a sudden that whole saying no thing, I'm like, I, I going to have to be a lot more protective of my time and the things that I am going to do they're I'm going to make sure they're the things that I want to do. And, uh, like same thing you just said, when I'm there, like I'm there. And, uh, and what that does, it, and it goes back to it's that same concept of sharing that environment with the, the people that are going to help build you up. Like you're just creating the environment, yes. whether it's the physical environment, like with the actual people around you, or even just like the mental environment that's going to allow you to succeed and be focused and do that. And so that saying no thing for me anyways was like the hardest, but ultimately like the most rewarding because it, it's – like the whole Jocko discipline equals freedom thing. Yeah. Like you don't really understand that until you're until you've kind of figured that part out.
1: In, in my, you know, transformation or digging out or whatever you want to call it, it, it was one of the biggest things. Between that and just cutting people off, yeah. And, and certain individuals, uh, and, and and a lot of these times, getting your individuals, it wasn't even negative. It was just like you're not serving a purpose of bringing joy. Beauty, a function, or even keeping me in check, you know. And then I'm really big, or I shouldn't say really big. What I'm torn on lately, I've been really torn on this actually so It's kind of cool that we're talking about it. It's like, um, you know, how like when you first learn a skill, you want to show it off to everyone. Yeah, you, you get that like. Yep. So saying no. For me, it was like that. And then the other part that came with it was because, because I was willing to demonstrate how much of my time I was willing to give to you, it became very, very important. But also where I would be like, hey, I'm donating this time and you're not reciprocal of it. And right. so I would be kind of jabby with it.
0: Right.
1: You know? And uh, and that wasn't helpful. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but But at the same time, it was like, you know so I said I'm kind of playing with the idea of like where that line is because I'm, a, I'm real big on the fact that like um, we just don't know mm-hmm. we don't know when, when our time's up mm-hmm. right and um, because of that I'm and I understand that not everyone values the same thing but I would try to be very vocal with people and say like hey this is my time mm-hmm. and if I give this to you this is what it means Yeah. if you neglect this you'll probably hear something
2: (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) or not get any more of my time in the future
1: exactly (laughs) you know exactly and and that's and that's been a a big thing for me so i understand when you say that you know like saying no you know and and that's that's you know that's a big one too Mm -hmm. saying no but also like i also want to be available yeah for a guy who wants to help people you know one of the things um now, I, th- I might have said this on something else, before, but screw it, I'll say it again. <laughs> man. One of the big pa- pet peeves I have is like, for the veteran community, it's like, like, they want to talk about doing 22 push-ups a day for veteran suicide. And I'm like, keep your push-ups, answer the fucking phone. Mm. Excuse my language. Yeah. Um, answer your phone. Yep. Answer your text messages. Like, you can do 22 push-ups on day arm. Yeah.
0: That
1: does not help a single soul Or person that I've lost, you lost, or who you might lose in the future—the things that can help, you know—and you don't have to be a mental health professional, you don't have to be the guardian of somebody's responsibilities. But sometimes the phrase "me too, brother," Mm. or "get your shit with more fishing,"
0: yeah,
1: means everything. Yeah, you know. So I, I. you know, I probably went off on a table. The no, day man, day. I It's it. just one of those things. Like, yeah.
2: And the, it's just, I mean, we've, we've talked about it in several different ways already, but and you brought it up right at the beginning, but it's the concept of, for men specifically, having other men, right, in your life that you can have those experiences, but then also have those conversations with. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, say, say what you will, about any kind of gender relations between people you're just not going to have those same conversations if even if it's your wife right the same in the same in the same manner right as you would with like a brother that is holding you to something like that I mean it's a different type of relationship and a a lot of times guys neglect that or don't have it at all and it's massively important for for growth, and I, I mean, like everything we've talked about has kind of been circling that fact of like this is yeah. this is why it's like if you don't, there's all these yeah. things that can end up happening, you know.
1: Your tribe is vastly more important than, than we would like to admit. Yeah. You know, it's a reflection of your standards. It's a reflection of your time. Mm-hmm. It's a reflection of everything. You know, it's not the only thing that matters, but we see it right now. Like I think it's like 45 percent of the, at the suicide rate is like. Forty-five percent, or something like some crazy ridiculous number for men that are committing suicide, right now, you know. And the black community—that's raising it, they, I mean, just to be real, like black yeah. community thought—we thought black people don't kill themselves. Yeah, and it's skyrocketing. Yeah. You know, and so um, it's one of those things where it's just like, well, what are we? What are we not doing? Yeah. And what are we doing to address these issues and problems? And so. You know, it's one of the things that I, I know I know to be true.
2: Yeah, totally. And, um, and, yeah. and with the environment piece of it, too, one of the things that I think it's overlooked, especially now, because of how ease of access it is to everybody, when we say, like, you know, you're the sum of the five people, right? I look at that. That also includes the, the, the people that you're around online and, like, the people that you're following all the time. You know what I mean? Like, even though they might not have, like, super tight relationships, you're consuming that, and that's becoming a part of everything in your life as well.
1: So it's funny you say that, right? Um, here's my little anecdote for that. <laughs> as I was going through everything and trying to figure out, like, which way is up mm-hmm. and how to fix my life and how to make corrections, and I'm looking up at the people that are around me, and they're not aligning with the new values i have bought. Right? They're not bad people or yeah. whatever else, but I, I have a set thing in mind. That I am trying to create. I don't know if you see me post it sometimes. In pursuit of a thing, little else matters. Yeah. Right. And so I was like, well, how do I fix this? I'm in a foreign country, seven thousand miles away from home. How do I fix this? But I created the best Instagram feed I could. Yeah. You know, uh, kudos to Brandon for peace loving me.
2: Such a good page, man. <laughs> I love that.
1: Right, like um, Matt Vincent, all these people who, you know, Tate Fletcher, guys who I didn't know, yeah. and now some of them I can text and be like, "Hey, how do I do X?" Or just, "What's up, brother? Yeah. How are you?"
0: Yeah.
1: And um, I think that's so vastly important and more important than we could ever ever talk about and you know the other thing too I I watched a shit ton of motivational videos and TED Talks and and it was like well if you can't create this in your actual and physical environment right now there's a hundred other ways where you can solve this problem so I think it's funny you said that because Mm -hmm. I'm the same way and I sometimes I catch myself I'd be like yeah my buddy Ross and I'm like uh (laughs) Yeah, that's my buddy, but it's weird. Don't worry, we talked,
2: but we we, we talked. Yeah, yeah, I I totally, and and that's the good thing about social media, right? Like, all I mean, we there's no shortage of people that or or things that we can hear about, all the bad stuff that goes along with social media, right? But like, that's one of the good things is we can connect with people that are actually going to help improve our lives and become real friends and like real accountability partners and brothers and all this thing and, and have that connection that, you know, the tribe might be, you know, 50 people, right? But they could be 50 people from all over the world. It doesn't have to be just geographical location yeah. like it had to be for all of human history until now. Yeah. You know? Um, it's perfect. Everybody can be anywhere. And, and, that's, and that's the cool thing about it because you can really, like you said, curate exactly what it is that you need to be successful in, in what you need
1: I think that is like the biggest you know you talked about it a little bit earlier with environmental like you can curate the hell out of your life and yep. you should yep. and I think for so often we are just as circumstances at our own fault mm-hmm. to just like this is just how it is this is just what it is and this is how it's going to be and instead of being like whoa man wow you know um, you know I feel remiss to talk talk about peace, love, and me, not say this. Like Terrence, one of the things... I didn't talk to Terrence a lot, but the man affected me in a way I I can really... can't really articulate. But one of the things he did say to me, and then I heard him repeat on the podcast, was he said, "Um, everything's my fault, and I wouldn't want it any other way. And I was like, so simple. But to the point, like you can choose, you know, like stoicism is really popular right now. Mm -hmm. One of the stories that Ryan Holiday tells in his stoicism book, uh, I think it's Ego is the Enemy is the one. Mm -hmm. He talks about Reuben Hurricane Carter and how as he was a prisoner for 20 years, he said he was never in jail because of the choice he Mm -hmm. made in his mother. And so I try to remind myself of that on a regular basis. Happiness is a choice. These things are choices. And how do they add up to what your life is right now? You know, and I think if, if you can remember that and actually like, practice it, it doesn't mean everything's hunky-dory all the time, fine and thing. perspective Perspective's a funny thing, man.
0: Yeah,
1: It's a funny thing. You know, in my travels, I've met some people that are pretty screwed up and they're happy. And then I meet other people and I'm like, I used to remember Yeah I can look back On my own life And be like Why was I so miserable?" You know And so I, th- I think That's important And then uh, I think the other thing You said is a mouthful That we didn't really talk about Is uh Social media mm-hmm. And Using it Curating it as a tool Yeah And remembering that like you know, you are what you're considered. Yep. It's so easy to get caught up like in all the political rhetoric and all of the you know, gender wars or whatever it is that's your hot button machine. Right. It's another to remember like what you have control over, what you can make a choice about and what actually affects you. Yep. And how when you make those choices what they actually mean, and how often, and this is the one I think happens the most, it's actually just a reflection of you running from something you need to fix. Mm. Yeah, I like that. You know, like I have a friend, I love him to death, but they are a political monster. <laughs> All they do is consume politics, yeah. and they argue about it, and they bitch about it, and i are not saying politics aren't, aren't important. But then when you ask them, has this issue personally affected you? No, okay, you're real upset about something that's not touching your life. Yeah. Has this thing, have you ever seen this? Is this an anomaly? Is this just a thing that they picked on the news because we all know that angry messages get more retweets? Yeah, it's gonna
2: make the most people upset.
1: <laughs> and if that's the case, isn't there something you're supposed to be winning at right now? Yeah. Like losing three pounds, talking to your friend or family who might need it, yeah. going for a walk, whatever it might be. And that's like the thing I try and caution my friends about. It's like, cause I, I mean, I get caught up in it too. too. Like, I'll, I'll be honest. Like Today I got caught up in one and I never did it. And I was like, Phew. I got caught up in one today and then afterwards I walked away and I was like, check. Yeah. This will never happen again.
2: Yeah and people don't even realize until it's like the I kind of liken it to doing like an elimination like extreme elimination diet right yeah because we consume so much you don't even realize like when people do something like I mean go extreme like carnivore right I did carnivore month about a month ago oh yeah yeah, yeah. and like honestly I was blown away about how good I felt during that period of time Mm -hmm. wasn't expecting it at all Uh, and that makes me think like people go through so much with just consuming so much, they don't even realize how, like, they just think it's normal. Like, and, and yeah. then if you take all that away and you just like, and, and this is the extreme example, like throw them in the mountains for a weekend with nothing. No, I mean like, let them, you know, camp, but like, there's no phones, there's no service. Yeah. Just let them be out in nature. And they're just like, that clarity, oh gosh, I'm so peaceful and happy right now. Like <laughs> this is totally different than what I normally live. Like I wouldn't even realize this if I didn't have that extreme opposite Experience.
1: Sun goes down and all of a sudden you're
2: tired. (laughs) I'm not just blue (laughs) screen three inches in front of my face till 2 a.m. Like, but until you like strip all of it away, you don't know that uh, like what can you can truly feel is happiness or health or any of that stuff until you've like stripped all of that down, which ultimately like like, is kind of the whole theme of why I chose the word nomad for everything, right? Like it's just Mm -hmm. being the essentialist. Like, yeah. you know, you don't, it's not just about stuff, but in the physical sense, but in the mental sense as well, like there's too much just clouding everybody's heads. And I think so. Yeah, And that's done on purpose, you know? by the way. And people have a hard time breaking that leash, basically.
1: I think it's, uh, you know, it's convenient, man. Yeah. It's convenient to not deal with your problems. And like they say, like, you know, uh, growth hurts, right? Yeah. Like, if you have kids and you watch them go through a growth spurt, they're not exactly comfortable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're not exactly, you know, and, and it's not always fun and it's not always like whatever, but, you know, the results of staying stagnant are exactly what they are mm-hmm. and they don't feel fun even though you're used to it. Right? We can, I had a friend, man, and it was the worst analogy ever, but I always remember <laughs> it. He used to tell me, he was like, you know, you can get used to uh, he said, you can literally have a piece of shit in the floor and get used to it. You walk by it every day. <laughs> he said, you walk by every day and it will never, ever, ever bother. you." He said, so you can get used to anything. Yeah. And I always think about that because I'm like, this is true. I see people, you know, miserable, they do the same thing all over and all over and it, and it hurts to change. Yeah. And I, you know, it's funny, um, I found this guy, uh, I shouldn't say I found it, like I know who, like I'm at the schedule. <laughs> and, uh, there's, this guy I saw on a podcast called Peter Crone.
0: Okay.
1: And, and he said, the poor man's version of self-worth is being right. Wow. And, and, and he was talking about not just like an argument, but like mm-hmm. to the core of like, I am not worth X. So I will sabotage myself. Yeah. Every And it was so... Like it was like light bulb went off. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Holy smokes, how many people have I coached, mentored, taught that that's the thing? You know, like, oh, I, I can't do this because of whatever. You know, like, I had a frustrating moment recently where a uh, special operations soldier, which is why it made me so mad, it was like, I can never bench 315. And I was just like, Why would you ever say that? Yeah. Say you don't want it.
0: Right. That's fine.
1: Right. Not everybody wants to bench 315. You are supposed to be one of the most capable humans on this planet. Whether or not you are or not, that's another story. Mm -hmm. But you have that capacity, and to limit yourself is a travesty. Mm -hmm. You know. And and I told him I was like, "Please never say that to me again."
2: I was like, "We're going to go to the gym right now. I'm going to make you do it." (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. I was like, "Please never say that to me again," because it's just like you know, like if you don't want to, that's fine. And it's not my, my bag is never to run a hundred miles. But, I I'll never tell you I couldn't. Yep. I'll tell you I tell you I'm gonna go hire, Courtney Dole Walter, and she's gonna coach me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and we're gonna we're gonna get after it best as best as we can. So you know I, I just those things are interesting. Uh, I wonder how much of our mindset is the limiting factor.
2: I think all of it is <laughs> like when, yeah. when you, I mean, that's it, it is the, yeah. you know, I mean, especially when you look at it from the the stance of taking, ex, you know, to quote another Jocko thing, extreme ownership, right? Like when you start yeah. looking at it like that and, and instead of placing that anything on external circumstances, like your mind is the only thing that controls any of that at that point then, because you're not allowing external circumstances to dictate any of it. So if yeah. it's a hundred percent your mindset that's going to either allow you or not allow you to do something and
1: i mean yeah. yeah i mean you see it you see it like two people can be standing in the same place at the same time having two totally different experiences yeah right mm-hmm. it's raining one guy's miserable and he's got poopoo face and everything else and then it's the other guy who's just like this is awesome yeah
2: there was the and I you know i i it was a meme that went around for a while, but it was just like a little short story kind of thing. But it tells, it, it tells the story of like two, uh, two brothers, that grew up with like a alcoholic abusive, father. And one of them mm-hmm. grew up to be just like him, just like his dad, and the other one grew yeah. up to be a super successful businessman, like had family, kids, was like, you know, turned everything around for his family and all that kind of stuff. And they were, and, you know, they said they asked like. What, what made you lead this life choice? And both of them said, I watched my father. So yeah. one of them looked at it and said, that's just going to be what I am. Like, if that's what my dad is, you know, and then the other one says, like, that's what my dad is. I'm not doing any of that, you know, and yeah, it's, it's all that mindset approach to
1: it. Yeah, I think that's a, a very telling thing. You know, it's interesting. Um, I remember where I read it or saw it, somebody was just very recently talking about, like, in order to get people to raise themselves out of whatever it is, you know, depression, um, uh, social class, you know, whatever, that they have to be able to visualize or see that it's real. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's hard to make somebody, you know, and here, because to train about training, training, yeah. training analogy. Um, most military gyms, right? You know, you got monsters out there like Dan Clancy and uh, Brad Arvik who are, are, you know, powerlifting and they're like, 2,100 totals of active duty. All right. <laughs> Those are the anomalies. But, like, for the most part, in the military gym, if you see somebody with four plates on any lift, that's a big deal. Yeah. Right? And so that's all you know. That's all you think is strong. So when you hit it, you're like, oh, I'm strong. Yeah. And then the first time I went to a real powerlifting gym, everyone is hitting fives and sixes, it's no big deal. You know, sevens become a bit of an anomaly, but here's guys, a couple guys that are hitting sevens, yep. stuff like you're like, oh <laughs> I'm oh, in a different pond um, now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I just tell i in a different pond. This is possible. Yeah, exactly. You know, because like when I only saw it was four hundred pounds, I was like, Well I guess that's the that's limit. The top ends. That's the that's the top yeah. end, you know. It's like they call it the rub. Yeah. Like right? right when you're doing jujitsu, like you just, you know, it's this is as good as it gets. And then you go to another school, and you're like, why are these white belts so good? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah. And, but that's what I saw. But I also think that when you're applying that to like, you know, life and digging out and finding new things or whatever, it's such a real thing because like oftentimes, you know, like. You can find that hatred in, in the thing that you don't want to be like. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can't find the example to move towards. Mm-hmm. You know, and find it. You know, it's like they say, like you got to have a, a direction. You got to yeah. have a, a, a point. You got to move to a point. If not, you're just kind of out there, or whatever.
2: Yeah. I do the, uh, and I use this analogy a lot when I'm working with guys talking about goal setting stuff. Um, if you were to plug in, to Google Maps or whatever, and just, like, you you wouldn't even be able to plug it in because the whole premise of how it works is you have to put in a destination, right? So if you don't have a destination, there's no possible way that you can create a map to get to that point. So we have to be, you have to be clear, like, what it is you're trying to work towards, and then you can build the plan. And then once you get there, you can say, okay, now I'm going to go here. And if that's farther yeah. up the road, or, or,
0: or even halfway, or, through. or even
2: halfway through, like this, I'm going to take another detour. I'm going to go somewhere else, kind of thing. But like, you have to have that yeah. endpoint at least to start to know this is the direction I need to go.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I had a guy message. You know it's which it's, is it's, it's, it's interesting in, in itself. You know, I don't have a very big following on Instagram, but it's interesting. Like the people that reach out to me mm-hmm. and talk to. Um, I remember at one point in time when I was going to shut my Instagram down and, you know, a guy messaged me, a lady messaged me. And I had one lady messaged me, he was like 56 years old, like, we don't have anything in common. She was like, <laughs> your page is so helpful. You know, And I was like, whoa. Um, but but um, he messaged me, and this guy I worked with back in the day, and he's like, you know, how do you figure out what you want to do in life for your purpose? And I was like, why are you asking me this? And I was like, well, I'll take a stab at it. And then the only thing I could come up with, man, is like, you know, I think you spend like your early years sharpening the sword and just acquiring skills and getting as good as possible at a thing. And then, or maybe you're sharpening your shovel or some shit. I don't know. Like you're 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 out here and you're doing the thing, you're digging this hole, and you decide halfway through, I've just struck water, but this isn't my hole. Right. And so you can go dig another one. But you can also get caught up in that hole like, I'm just digging holes. And sometimes you can just get caught up in the hole like, I'm going to dig this hole till I strike water, sustain myself until I figure out you
0: know,
1: yeah. what's in what's it. And I mean, I don't know which one's the right one, but I mean... <laughs>
2: <laughs> Won't know until you, you do it. You definitely
1: got out. Yeah, you got to get out there. I think, that's, like, that's me talking to my son too. He's like, hey, man, like, I, don't, I don't know what you're going to like. You know? I talked to him in the way I said, well, you know, the best thing I can tell you is what it is. What is it that you want? Mm-hmm. Do you want money? Here's the routes. Do you want power? Here's the routes. You know, do you want a skill? Here's the routes. Do you want to be fulfilled? You, know, you start answering those questions. Maybe we can start not even doubt. And it might change, brother. Like, at least you know, like, you know. So I think that's just kind of the way to maybe orient yourself as you. Uh, set out on that journey. I, love it,
2: man. I think that's a pretty good place to wrap it up for this version of it, man. Uh, thanks so much for making the time, brother. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll, well thank
1: you, man. I really appreciate yeah, it.
2: Yeah, I'm sure we'll probably do it again at some point in the future. And maybe one of these days we can like be in the same part of the world and actually like hang out one of these days. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, for sure. Like, um, my goal when I, when I get back is to finally, um, i threatened it Numerous times to start my podcast. There we go. Um, but my pod, yeah. Well, my podcast is is the the idea is that I will travel to a place, nice. do do the thing, whatever their thing yeah. is, and then we'll break bread and podcast.
2: That sounds awesome, so, dude. I love it. And so, I we'll, who's we'll calling happen. your name, dude.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we will we will put it on the awesome, list. Dude. I really appreciate it. Awesome,
2: thank you. Thank you. All right. Good stuff in this conversation today. Thank you for listening. Really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, If you haven't done so and you want to know what's coming up for Nomad Strength, whether it's the podcast, coaching, programs, ebooks, all of the things, you can go to nomad-strength.com. Sign up for the newsletter. I've also got my blog up on that website as well. If you want to just read some articles, all the podcasts are posted there and all the coaching opportunities are posted there as well. So that's the main hub for everything. Go there, sign up for the newsletter, and you will be be the first to know all of that stuff. So, thanks for listening and I'll catch you guys on Thursday when we go over our next solo show.